0: Welcome to the Supergirl Supercast. I'm Trishy e. Matson.
1: I'm David Schaub. I'm Alan Yu.
0: And I'm Brianna Teuber. And today we're going to be t- discussing Season 3, Episode 21 of Supergirl, not Kansas. And David, do you have the recap from National City and Space for us?
2: Here's the intergalactic news from Earth and Argo. Kara's leaving plot... Kara, Monel, and Lena rip rain out of Sam. Supergirl asks Lena to science up more Harun El. Kara decides to break up with Earth. She also invites her ex to come <coughs> live at her mum's because that's not weird. Argo plot. Kara experiences culture shock, now she knows how we feel, and acts paranoid because she's always right. Just before Monel and Kara reach the climax of their dreamy scene, A killer robot attack proves that Kara is right, but Selina has already escaped. Earth Plots The D.E.O. stops a shooter armed with a D.E.O.-designed assault rifle, and the show has opinions. Afterwards, John bans guns from the D.E.O. Lena finds out something cool about Harunel. John eventually comes to accept his father's upcoming death. Alex looks up adoption agencies. Sam and Ruby reunite, but something's wrong with Sam. Covell and Selina are building fortresses.
0: So there certainly is a lot of interesting stuff to discuss for the episode today. I guess at the beginning, um, we have Lena whipping up that injection that uh, seemingly cures rain, or cures Sam of rain, and I was interested that, uh, Supergirl has accepted Lena's kryptonite facility Uh. uh Enough to ask her to extend that to synthesizing some more Harun el or as I like to refer to it, magic space rock. <laughs> I'm
2: always the magic space rock.
3: I, I'm still wondering how exactly injecting molten rock into Sam's neck did not physically damage Sam.
2: Because it was rain at the time. I <laughs> really liked this fight. If only because this is the first time we get this great fight with Monel and Kara as well as interjected with scenes of Lena just super sciencing up as quickly as possible. And I thought it was really well done. The only thing that I thought was strange was just, I don't know, it, it felt a little too easy for defeating Rain. It's
0: well, not over yet, though. Right. <laughs> um, let's see, other little notes about that part. I liked that, Um. well, I'm not sure actually if I liked it, but they brought Ruby right in almost immediately. Well... Not immediately to the fight, but Sam was there in in her hospital bed at the DEO, I guess. And uh, they brought Ruby right into her. Uh, Sam spots Ruby's new blue-tipped hair and likes it immediately. Um, And they seem to be really confident that everything is cool. I mean, the next time we see Sam and Ruby, they're not even in the clinic anymore. They're just at home. Because for all they know, Rain's gone. I think that's as a severe case of them wanting to believe that Rain is gone. I'm, I, I think it was awfully fast to move them out into just living at home again.
2: I don't know. Given how literally the effect was, they ripped Rain out of Sam, and then Rain exploded into stardust. Uh, maybe it's a reasonable assumption.
0: Mm, maybe I'm reasoning backward because I saw the end of the episode. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> they should know that.
0: They
3: think it's all over. So they're like, oh, it's time for everyone to go on vacation.
1: What could go wrong? Well, the characters don't know there are two episodes left in the season. I like
2: the touching thank you between Sam and Alex, even though I don't know if there's any reason Sam would know that Alex has been caring for, but maybe someone had told her.
0: I guess. I mean, they, they don't show us every second of what goes on be- between all the characters, so... Someone must have filled her in.
3: It makes sense that once Sam was more conscious, she'd ask, like, where's Ruby? Where's my daughter? And then they'd explain, oh, Alex has been taking care of her. We're bringing her in.
2: Yeah, exactly.
3: So that makes sense.
0: So moving on to the next uh, segment of plot, Kara is explaining her trip to Alex, and Alex says, so you want to go back? And, uh, for the first character in the show, urges Kara to, you know, tells Kara, you've been taking care of other people for so long, it's time to take care of yourself. And, uh, then that is echoed later, of course, by, um, Alora, but part of Allura's reassurance is just trying to get Kara to not be paranoid, although it turns out she was right to yeah. be paranoid.
3: One thing I have to say about that is we've established that there's no way to get communication out uh, from Argo, but Kara made it sound like she'd be able to communicate with Alex while she's on Argo.
2: For the question, what's Wi-Fi like in space? In this show, I'd expect generally pretty good. There's very few things that this show will ever admit there's no way to do.
3: That is true. The writers were really creative. We can find a way to make it work in the world.
2: One thing we discussed in the last episode was why Kara didn't recognize Argo, and I like in this episode, they even say that it pretty much looked exactly the same, and yet Kara still didn't recognize it.
0: Yeah, I think that's just a weirdness we're going to have to skip past, because there's no way to explain it, Nope. even for doyleist reasons, let alone Watsonian.
1: (laughs) Just one other thing I I do want to say, though. I really like the scene between Kara and Alex, because, you know, it's probably the I think their relationship drives a lot of the show It's a, it's the emotional heart of a lot of the plot lines And I really like this exchange they had You know, uh, we've come to really like Both these actors and both these characters and, and I really like that You know, that they talked about this The other thing that's Rewatching this a second time uh, And making note of how much I liked uh, This conversation Kara has with Alex Is why did she take Monel and not Alex with her?
3: I have a better question Why didn't she take her cousin, kal As far as I can tell, she
0: hasn't told him anything about- Oh, you're right. Oh my gosh, why didn't she take Clark?
2: (laughs) That is a remarkably good question. I didn't even think of that one.
0: I'm just
3: like, how was that not her first response? And we even know she's (laughs) talked to the people about him. But she hasn't even once considered, maybe I should tell him that there's a chunk of our home still floating out in space-
2: the foot in the door was monel needed the gravity funky super science bot thing that was the foot in the door for why monel started talking about kara and then she responds with the entirely out of left field why don't you just come with me and at some point later on monel says you're serious to which we all say <laughs> you're serious
3: <laughs> i
2: that's what he suggested
3: but they have to go and make it a love triangle, which I've been wanting it to not be a love triangle since he showed up again.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, mon basically has an errand to run. She could have just written Kara a grocery list, and, you know, she could have brought it with her.
3: It, yeah, that, that, that plotline bothers me slightly.
2: We don't know the bounds of marriage and polyamorous relationships, and who knows what, a thousand years into the future. So it may be hard for us to judge, but it does seem a little strange.
3: Uh, on a lighter note, I really enjoyed the sort of like little voiceover right before Kara left, where she's talking about how great Earth has been to her, and when she like finished with the Kryptonian saying to be continued. I probably, like, if I had been writing it, that's I would have had the episode end there. I would have like ended an episode with that to leave all the people sitting there wondering what happens next.
0: I felt like that whole thing was really weird because it really sounded like a goodbye speech to everyone at D.E.O. and CatCo. And, you know, if she hadn't said it at the end, you know, uh, this is not goodbye, if she hadn't specifically said that, you know, (laughs) it would have been a goodbye forever speech.
2: It might be. I liked the speech on the first time watching it, but the second time it kind of confused me because I didn't even notice the Catco scene the first time I watched it. And it's sort of this sort of arbitrary Catco scene, but neither speech is from Catco. It kind of feels like the voiceover is actually in the middle of the speech she gives the DEO. But who's the audience of the voiceover? They needed it to be a voiceover because they wanted to show the Catco scene, but it, it did seem a little confusing.
0: Yeah, it was like, we don't need to show you both speeches that she gave. So, we'll just do one and show the scene from the other. Exactly.
3: Also, how, how has she explained her need to leave to the people at CatCo?
1: The
2: sign said, on assignment.
1: I do quite like the montage, um, you know, uh, with well, in, you know cut with the music and, and the speeches. But the other thing is, she gets a party at CatCo... Considering how long she's been away from working there, do people still remember who she is? And would there still be a crowd to send her off?
2: It's possible she's never been on assignment before. You
0: know, I wonder what she told Lena about why she was going away.
2: Yeah, that's the good question.
0: You know, Lena, I need a leave of absence. Okay, why? Lena, I need to go on assignment. What are you going to be reporting? Why do, you need, to be go
3: so, why do you need to be gone so long? Are you sure you still work here? Because I'm not. How long are you going to be gone?
0: <laughs> yes, uh, and we never heard that conversation, so we don't know. We're really good at oh, finding well. plot holes.
2: <laughs> or just rushed things. That's just efficiency, I think, for the most part.
0: <laughs> so anyway, on Krypton, as David said, Kara's... Paranoia turned out to be justified. What more do we want to say about that whole plot?
3: <laughs> I've never been more relieved to have a flying
0: murder bot interrupt a conversation. <laughs> yes, that was a great moment for an interruption. That was really weird. So, Monel declared that he was still f- sorting out his feelings for Kara. And he said, Sorry, I didn't want to disrupt your uh, visit here with all my feely feelings. And she said, Oh, it's okay. And then she stroked his face and she stroked his face again. And she looked like she was going to say something. And then the murder bot showed up. So, yay, murder bot. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was, yes, a very uncomfortable moment to watch.
2: Monel did also give Kara a ring earlier in the episode. Though it did go on her right hand.
3: Yeah, I paid close attention and went on her right hand, not the left.
2: But depending on which church you belong to, that...
3: (laughs) (laughs) And it might be different for aliens.
0: (laughs) It was the Legion ring that he gave to her, obviously not an engagement ring or something. But why did he decide that he should be the powerless one on this planet, Uh, where we still don't know why he lost his powers. I wonder if he still has his super strength and speed. He will. Um, Just not the Legion powers.
2: He right now is more powered without the ring than Kara would be. So they basically, they just split the Legion abilities to her.
3: Didn't they get all of their power from the same kind of sun? It just turned out differently.
2: Oh, actually, that's a good point. He may not have any of his powers. Yeah,
3: neither of them have powers. I think he just gave her the ring because he's like, Someone's actively trying to kill you. You're. It would have benefit you more to be able to fly.
2: At that point, someone could have actually been trying to take out Monel, but to be fair, that's a lot less likely.
3: Yeah, most people don't seem to really care about him. He's just kind of there with te- using future technology in the past, which in just about any other show, that would be really, really bad and have
0: repercussions. I don't know if the Legion has any kind of prime directive rule.
1: He just goes around saving children from deadly diseases.
0: I was glad to see the little kid come back so that we have had that little moment of plot continuity there. Yeah,
2: that was cute. And they certainly had a lot of these scenes where Carr decides to show her increasing paranoia. Maybe they, I think, pushed it a little much. Kara's statement of there are no accidents. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Accidents do happen, but I feel like with all of the Argo scenes, they did capture how weird it can be to go back to your hometown when you haven't
0: been there in a while. Right, and I thought the whole kind of gaslighting Kara was interesting. I wondered for a while if Thora was actually one of the um uh evil priestesses group, because she said, no, no, uh, everything's fine. It was just a defective part. And that woman is the grocer's wife, so she's okay. Uh, I thought that was a little odd, too, that she didn't have any identity of her own than just that she's married to the guy who runs the grocery.
2: So far, it's always possible that will change.
0: Yeah,
3: she she's the person that knows everything there is to know about the city, but she has no idea about the dark murder cult. <laughs>
0: Hmm.
2: We'll see, because there was this interesting setup of the sort of culture shock that Kara felt when uh, interacting with her and her husband. And I could see the show wanting to maybe continue to play with that.
0: Well, it was an interesting idea about Kara not being able to relax and staying in warrior mode. And it would have been interesting to explore that for another episode without having the uh, uh, kill Kara plot come in. Um, but the whole thing of killing Kara seems really unnecessary. Was it all just a diversion to get her distracted so that Selena and the others could
2: steal their spaceship? Maybe it was just seen as a bonus that they happened to be able to take her out? The <laughs> overarching plot seems a bit unclear for that.
3: There's a lot more effective ways that they could have killed her aside from, you know, sending a murder bot that you could take out with a with like a bat or a chair leg. <laughs> and trying to topple building parts onto her. There are so many
1: easier, more effective ways to kill someone.
2: And those are really powerful robots.
1: Also, the murder bots are conveniently labeled red to stand up from the <laughs> other bots. If you would want to, why not disguise one so it doesn't look very obvious that this is not a nice robot?
0: Because red is always symbolic of evil for whatever reason. Right. Well, Rain's eyes turn red, so I guess it all ties together. (laughs) Okay, so after they find out that uh, the grocer's wife, who I think has a name, but I can't remember it, um, anyway, asks how she could betray the city, and she says we're the daughter of the night, and our priestess, our high priestess is Selena. and Kara, confusedly for us viewers, asks, but she helped us versus, you know, she helped us fight Rain. And, and that, of course, she means that Selena swung the council vote to give the Harun L magic rock to Supergirl so that she could use it to fight Rain. <sighs> and the woman says, nothing is as it seems. And I'm wondering, is there some reason that the cult wanted to get the Harun L to Earth or are they just throwing in unnecessarily, unnecessary convolutions?
2: Well, there's certainly something up with the r because they have Lena being asked to make some, and then Lena finds something exciting about it, but doesn't actually tell us what that is. And we also see Sam doing something, dropping a glass and being in some questionable state. There's clearly shoes that are yet to drop.
3: And we have before seen a world killer die and then their power pass on to one of the others, so... What could happen is maybe they'll make another homemade world killer. Or maybe Olivia still has her powers. I doubt that, but that'd be an interesting twist. Mm -hmm. If Olivia somehow still has those powers and all the world killer stuff goes into her, that could be a fun twist. Sure. I'm not expecting
0: it, but... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, just to wrap up that part, uh, back on the Earth, Koval is in the dark, Chanting with a glowing crystal. Back on Argo, presumably Grocer's wife has been incarcerated by that time. But uh Mon-El and Kara and others see that the ship, the convertible ship from Jean Jones, is gone. Um, so I guess they are stranded on Argo. And then that same spaceship lands on Earth next to Chanting Coville. Selina walks out with some other cultists. They plant a crystal in the ground and create a new fortress of whatever name they're going to pick for this crystal fortress. Evil. (laughs) Fortress of evil.
2: I think the lesson of all of this is we've now learned what the DEO security problem is, which is until something gets stolen... John has no interest in security systems because obviously his car wasn't that hard to steal either. <laughs>
0: right, right. Probably not even, you know, one of those tracker things on it.
3: <laughs> and they, the thieves even took the time to burn the signal thing into the ground with no one
0: noticing.
2: It's possible the attempts on Kara's life were just a distraction while it took Selena some time to break into the car. Yeah. Well,
0: speaking of security, just to jump ahead a little bit in in the other plot... I laughed and laughed when um, Jean-Jean said it was impossible for an an assault rifle from D.E.O. to have committed what happened in the other plot. Because after Wynn's mom raided the place, we chipped everything in the security. uh, That was so funny. (laughs) In the arsenal. (laughs) I had to pause it and laugh because, you know, forget all the other people who've been wandering around D.E.O. and doing whatever they please. You know, when somebody's mom gets around and can grab a weapon, that's the straw that broke Jean Jones's back.
3: (laughs) I half expected it to have been stolen earlier.
2: I don't know if it was the same writer for both episodes, but then realized what happened in the other episode and says, we just have to put a line in here.
0: (laughs) So anyway, how we get to that point is, while Guardian was so bored uh, that nothing was happening on Earth, that he was playing with a basketball as he talked to Wynn as they waited for a crime to happen, there was a bank robbery, and the Guardian saved a police officer from a guy with some kind of assault uh, machine gun that was fully automatic, um, and the uh, bullets were so tough that they... Pushed scored him back at Guardian's shield. Yeah, uh, right. He, Guardian was leaning in with his shield and the gunshots pushed him back, you know, sliding along the pavement. Um, and that's when they started the big gun investigation and gun plotline of this show.
2: In great superhero style, the gunshots and all these happen within earshot of Guardian when he happened mm-hmm. to be somewhere in the city.
3: Yeah. The, the basketball stuff was pretty cool and funny
2: to watch. I like the music, too. Mm-hmm. What I didn't like was Wynne saying, what kind of gun is that, in surprise and shock, whereas this is the gun he hears the most.
0: That's true. That's if it was a, a DEO point. weapon, he should have recognized what it sounds like. But maybe Wynne doesn't get field training. He just builds yeah. the weapons. <laughs> he doesn't test them. <laughs> that doesn't make sense.
3: It It was... I, one thing I thought about... I kind of like that we were able to like, meet the manufacturer of the weapons, but I love how, like... No one really questions the fact that the guy running
0: Catco is this is right. Right, it's perfectly reasonable for John Jones to go to the DEO arms supplier and ask what's going on with your missing weapons, but there's no reason in the world that the manufacturer should have been okay with talking about it with the CEO of Catco magazine. There, it just a journalist, yeah, maybe, but. It did lead to a pretty great line. It did.
2: This isn't the first time that this show has had multiple people going into a meeting where it makes no sense <laughs> who's in the meeting. This is not the first time.
3: True. Makes sense to the audience. It's just when you think about it from the point of the story that it doesn't really
0: fit. Yep. So the manufacturer says, no, none of our our military weapons are missing, but we sell a civilian version of this uh, special DEO weapon, and someone could have modified it with a bump stock. And he immediately follows that up with, you know, it's okay because legally we're protected. Um, you know, so obviously he's just thinking of the lawsuit implications of one of his weapons being used for a bank robbery and shooting up a parking lot. Uh, Then he talks about uh, the 2,000 employees that would be affected if they shut down this civilian line of guns, and talks about his memory of when his grandfather took him hunting for the first time and the guns bring families together. And all of that, you know, those are some reasonable points. James immediately replies that this weapon is not a family hunting weapon, which is also, at least debatably, a reasonable point. Um, I mean,
3: unless you don't want anything to be left of the rabbit you just shot. <laughs> right, right.
0: Anyway, um, sorry, John Jones, not James, said that this isn't a fa- family hunting weapon, and he orders the guy to immediately hand over all the documentation and comply with the investigation. The manufacturer says, sure, sure, of course. And then James really gets out of line. He mocks the manufacturer very sarcastically, you know, tells him, oh, you must be dreaming of a world where everyone is armed to the teeth. And then the guy gives his reply, uh, where you dream of a world where everyone reads CatCo and we're both businessmen. And all of this felt so belabored. You know, it felt like we have this row of talking points that we have to get through. Very heavy-handed for
3: a... just Yeah. I'm like, it's a valid, like, point to talk about. But the way they did it, I'm just like, it's not the best way to approach that problem. Also, with... Because when they ultimately decide, oh, like, I have to protect... John's like, I have to protect everyone. So I'm going to destroy all the guns and we're going to go non-lethal. I'm sitting here like, you fight against alien invasion. I think it's okay if you have a little bit of heavier weaponry.
2: Reeling back a bit, there's a couple of things about the scene I really must question. The first one is the civilian version of the rifle is called the Heal 14. And I want to know why it's called the Heal. Is it referencing healing people? Is it referencing the part of the foot that you step on people with? Or is it referencing the gun manufacturer's personality? (laughs) I couldn't quite tell.
0: I went to uh, H-E-E-L, not H-E-A-L. I only thought of that other (laughs) spelling later. Um, You know, unless someone watches the closed caption of that show, I don't think we can
1: answer it. Oh, I didn't. (laughs) I think there was one shot where when Wynne is looking at the doc- documentation and it's H-E-E-L, not H-E-A-L.
0: Okay. Um, one other very minor point about that scene is that the manufacturer had said, our contract with your division of the FBI is one of the most important. So we've been complaining about the DEO passing itself off as the FBI. Is it possible that it really is a division of the FBI and they're not just lying about that as their cover?
2: It feels like that is an interpretation. I was actually looking at the Wikipedia entry for the DEO and there wasn't anything helpful there, but it is possible that it is actually a reasonable interpretation and it is misleading rather than lying.
3: We'd probably have to go back to season one to sort of find out for sure.
2: I think, however, that does bring up the important part, which is we should all be able to agree that who really should be blamed here are the DEO's lawyers who signed the manufacturing contract that allowed the gun manufacturer to do this.
0: I'm for that. I'm for, you know, that certainly is a loophole that uh, was easily exploited and that they should have thought of. Yeah,
1: yeah. and two other quick things about this scene. I mean, uh, one is how does Jean not know about the gun manufacturer making civilian versions of military weapons? I mean, you know, this these guns, they've probably been out there for a while, and it would be shocking, for example, if. Let's say people in the military didn't know about the existence of AR-15s in the US, because they obviously do, right? And so, uh, it, it seems uncharacteristically naive for Jean to not know that there are civilian versions of these weapons out there. The other point that's kind of unrelated is that the gun manufacturer, like his office, it's like, just in case you don't know he loves guns, here are three rifles lined up against every plane of every pane of glass behind him and a rifle on that's on his that's on his desk in front of him which seems like you know it's probably gonna clutter his workspace unnecessarily the scene
2: is just not very subtle and it's trying not to be (laughs) subtle and it succeeds at not being subtle
0: (laughs) also (laughs) it is that is not its aim so to speak do you
3: guys sometimes wonder if they forget that jean's a telepath
0: he can read minds
1: they always forget that he's a telepath. Constantly. They forget he has any powers. Sometimes.
0: Unless they need it for a plot ri- plot reason, they forget that he's a telepath. Yep. And... T- t- but I don't think that the gun manufacturer was necessarily lying in this scene. I think he was... I think there's a really good chance that he's sincere in his belief that hunting brings families together. Um, I mean, a lot of people feel that way. I know uh People myself who've gone hunting and, you know, from father to son to father to son and see it as a bonding experience. Um, You know, I've gone shooting and it's fun. It's like fireworks. As as long as you're trained properly before you do it, it is a fun recreational activity. However, half my family hunts, but I still I don't get
3: how exactly they could qualify the a civilian model of the DEO assault rifle as a hunting rifle?
0: Right, a civilian model of a weapon that still shoots armor-piercing bullets and, you know, can be easily modified to automatic fire. And uh, will
3: probably obliterate at least half of whatever you're trying to hunt.
2: The line I wrote in my notes was, I might be a warped Canadian, but if you're using assault rifles to bring your family together, something is broken inside you.
0: Well, you know, other family activities that can bring fathers and sons together or, you know, fathers and children together include, you know, building models together. <laughs> or
2: <laughs> Even using hunting rifles. There's an argument. I'll buy that. Not these.
0: Right. And of course, the Second Amendment is not just about family togetherness. It's It's about... Defending yourself from tyrannical government. But anyway, I don't think we need to take, I don't think the supercast needs to take a position on that. But I do want to point out just how heavy handed this whole episode was and the impracticality of the solution that Jean Jones arrived at.
2: Well, let's get to the next scene so we can cover the next heavy scene about it.
0: (laughs) Right. So the next scene, Lena comes to CatCo with pizza. James is trying to figure out how to track people without having a gun registry. Lena points out that lots of people don't like the thought of the government being able to track them and their guns. James says he can't believe people think the right to own an assault weapon is more important than for kids to go to school safely. Lena points out that she has a gun for self-defense and has used it for self-defense, says, hopefully you can see my side too. James says he's open to listening, and then he says, how about that pizza? So, <laughs> I think he just wanted to avoid the argument.
3: It was a very passive-aggressive, awkward attempt at an adult conversation that was interrupted by pizza.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And as always, not only do the extras in the scene not get any lines, they don't get any pizza either. <laughs>
0: Right, three people, because they call in Miss test too, and so those three people are going to eat, I think it was like six pizzas. <laughs> Which, okay. <laughs> but they could have given a few to the newsies too. <laughs> yeah, and
3: they probably just did that scene so they could also introduce
0: the fact that
3: Eve Tess is this sort of random side character that's been popping in and out since season two- studied nuclear physics and I got her degree in nuclear physics. I'm like what the heck is she doing as an assistant at Catco?
0: I wondered that too. Doylist wise, I wondered if the reason that Miss Tex- Tessmacher was has studied at Yale nuclear physics, um and then gone into secretarying is that just conservation of characters or is it because they're planning to do something with Miss Tessmacher later?
1: Maybe Lena will hire her and offer her a more well-paid job where she's more respected. Well, she
0: brought her in to uh, research the Harun L with her after finding that out.
2: Or possibly they've just taken all the cast they like from Katko and they decided to put them somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's only doyleist explanations here, but there's lots of them. Okay. <laughs> One thing I'd like to cover in this, though, was after Lena says that, which is I have a gun for self-defense, I've used it for self-defense. Let us remember that I think the only time we've seen Lena with a gun was when she walked into an office building and tried to murder someone.
0: Yes, she's a highly problematic defender of the right to bear arms (laughs) since she did almost murder somebody. (laughs) But she didn't. She had to be talked down from it. She didn't just decide to She was knocked
2: out. That was why she didn't.
0: Oh, that's right. (laughs) To be fair, there's probably
3: been many times, given that she's, Lena Luther, that she's been in a situation where she would have to use a personal handgun to defend herself.
2: And as for other people doing the set dressing, while the people doing the set dressing really loved putting guns everywhere, they did a very bad job of making James's laptop look like it's ever been used, (laughs) as its dock is in its most boring state possible.
1: Also about sets uh, on one of the TVs, one of the many TVs behind uh, James <laughs> in the one of them in the top left hand corner says something about people trying to colonize Mars. So I wonder if that'll ever come up if that was just a random oh, line someone wrote in because oh, it sounded newsworthy.
3: People trying to colonize Mars that don't know about the white Martians are in
0: for a fun time. Yeah, that would that would really interfere with Elon Musk's plans. That could actually make for a really interesting season. Maybe Elon (laughs) Musk is a white Martian.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Or that they could... Well, no, I don't think that they're going to go the Water of Mars route from Doctor Who, because that
0: was really creepy. (laughs) Shall we move on? Yes. So they have their problems uh, finding all the people who have bought the heel gun, but they do a photo lineup, and James recognizes the guy at the bottom right, Wynne says, are you sure? And uh, John Jones says, let's assemble a strike team. And James says, whoa, let's not be part of the problem. And, oh, I had such a problem with that.
2: (laughs) I had no problem with that. I was like, are you serious, John? Didn't you learn anything from dealing with Julia? They have a possible suspect for something that may happen, and they're going with a full strike team? Once they actually find the manifesto and know something's up, sure. But at that point, I think that was right to be questioned.
0: Okay, l- let me clarify. I am absolutely okay with saying we're not sure about this situation. Let's arm the strike team with rubber bullets. But you don't just send three agents to knock on a door if you think a guy has been stockpiling weapons. You know, you send in people with body armor and at least something with stopping power, I say. In my opinion. Fair point. Yeah. All right. So we get the strike team running through the building where they think he is. Alex is talking to HR or somebody, and the woman asks if they check the cellar or loading dock. Um, Jean Jones walks up to the guy unarmed, although, you know, he has all his powers and everything, but apparently he's just an unarmed guy walking up to the uh, armed man whose name is Arthur, and Arthur says the, the guns are the only way for me to be heard. He's upset because he got laid off after giving his life to the company. Uh, Jean Jean says, if you pull that trigger, no one will listen to a thing you say. Which is a good point. JJ also says that a gun is a tool for spreading fear, not a not a tool for respect, or rather fear is not respect. Arthur says he shot at a cop and his life is over. Anyway, John eventually talks the guy down, and he surrenders his gun, and we see that Guardian was in the corner listening all the time. And so that scene is over for the moment. Does anyone have any thoughts on that, or should we move to what happens at the DEO?
2: It's a nice scene, but it seems a bit silly that John could take the person down so easily.
3: Also, couldn't- He can face through things, even if
0: the guy is shot at him. He should theoretically be fine.
2: I think he can take a bullet.
0: That's Mm -hmm. him. He he would have been fine if he had been shot at, but, you know, for for optics and for talking the guy down, it was definitely better to go in as though he were unarmed and unshielded.
3: That was better done than other conversations on this topic earlier in the show. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the weight of what was said matched the scene, and
1: that helps.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the lines... The one thing that
1: they did make me think twice forced. the second time is when the, when when uh, Arthur says, I shot at a cop, my life is over no matter what, which made me think, you know, you could try not shooting at cops and your life would not be over.
0: Yes, it absolutely. It seems he's also
1: realized that. It's a
0: little late <laughs> for that.
2: Actually, I thought he had another technicality. He could say that he shot at a vigilante.
0: True. Yeah. I mean, he was aiming at a cop, but he hadn't <laughs> actually shot at him yet when Guardian pushed the cop out of the way. So if he has a good lawyer... Yeah, <laughs> his- just just
3: set him up with, like, Bat Murdoch. He'll be fine.
2: Don't cross the streams.
0: I'm afraid that's the
3: wrong universe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. So, then there's a scene at the D.E.O. John Jones calls out to all the agents who happen to be milling around within earshot. And gathers them together and says that safety is our number one priority and we are going to phase out lethal weapons and we're going to destroy all the lethal weapons we have. Uh, Someone says, how are we going to do our jobs or defend ourselves or something? And he says, Agent Shot will be developing non-lethal weapons. If you're uncomfortable with all this, I'll be happy to help you transition to another unit. And several people start to leave immediately. (laughs) And then he says, uh, but I believe we can set a helpful example. We are agents of peace. An agency no one knows exists, so I don't know how exactly that's going to help. Yeah. What kind of example is this secret shadowy (laughs) organization going to be setting? Are you, is
3: he really going to just casually let all these people who know who Supergirl is
0: leave?
2: (laughs) I think we're pretending that they don't know, we're just pretending,
0: yeah, yeah, this girl in glasses just keeps showing up to d e o but uh, no connection to supergirl, nope, um, so anyway, like I was saying before, I think it would be far, far, far better to have different protocols for sending d e o against humans versus sending d e o against alien invaders, um, and world killers, and stuff like that. They've had really hard times trying to fight off all those people with their heavy weaponry. And for them to go to, you know, rubber bullets against white Martians, or whatever they're going to be facing next, is just really hard for me to take.
2: Yeah, I had two extremely conflicting views about the scene. And the first one is that, which is, The definition of non-lethal is pretty dependent on the species you're going after, and the definition of lethal is very different for them. But I think more so, I'm amazed that Supergirl has been willing to work with the DEO with the way they acted, and say with the way they acted around Julia. I'm almost surprised that Supergirl, who pretty much has an entirely non-lethal approach to all problems, has put up with the DEO, potentially using lethal weapons when they're trying to solve the problem. And I'm surprised Supergirl hasn't applied pressure to make the D.E.O. do this earlier in the show.
0: That's a very good point. Yeah, it would have
3: made more sense to have Supergirl be the one to make that point, but they kind of had to have her be in the super awkward space state where where, <laughs> um, there's the, the, the angry murder bots. Because
2: I'm okay with the scene in this show, because I think it actually makes the D.E.O. more aligned to how Supergirl acts. It does seem a little silly, though.
0: I didn't love James's line about thanks for doing that, because the only weapon anybody needs
2: is a shield. A little heavy? <laughs> a bit of a clunker, perhaps?
0: I don't think shields are weapons. Well, you know, Guardian doesn't have a weapon, but he has his super-powered suit. Um, and speaking of super-powered things, note that Jean Jones, who is... Uh, lethal arming his entire agency, he still has invulnerability, flying powers, and everything. So I feel a little weird about him saying to all the humans working for him, you got to power down and be even less capable than you are now.
2: He's starting to sound like Supergirl. <laughs> Here's my hope, which is a bunch of Guardians... Equipment becomes standard issue in the DEO, and that's how they should solve it.
0: Okay. Yeah, if they can get Congress to loosen up the funding that they complained about in an earlier episode. uh, They can all have super suits
2: and shields. They have fewer people to buy stuff for now.
0: And now we're just
3: going to have James complaining about the fact that there's like 27 Guardians running
0: around. He won't be as special anymore. Maybe he'll have to go back to being CEO of (laughs) Catco.
1: (laughs) as in he can do his job
0: someone aside from lena has to do their job well i guess sam if sam were cured she could do her job again but we know she's not
3: well i i'm not so sure about that because you didn't see like eye color change or anything so well i don't know for sure i think that maybe like sam could sense something Maybe not rain taking over her, but she could send something. She
0: feels a disturbance in the force.
3: Yes.
2: <laughs> just looking at the list through all the five denouements, did anyone have any other feelings about Alex deciding to put down her glass of whiskey and look up adoption agencies?
0: Yeah, I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I'm glad that the show uh, is just gave a note to it not being inevitable that Alex is going to... End up adopting Ruby, you know, pretending, letting us pretend that Alex is going to uh, actually do things out of choice rather than necessity.
3: I like the thought of Alex adopting, and and it's also acknowledging that it is a viable option for people who are in one way or another not capable of having kids or have a job where you don't, wouldn't really get maternity leave. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Well, she could probably get leave, but we we all know that she would get sucked into some problem or other while she was supposedly on leave. Yeah. But um, yeah, I liked I liked how they developed that in this episode because I've been talking about how they're just setting her up to take Ruby by default, and uh, when when Sam, as I believe, will be destroyed. Um, but uh, uh, I liked how they did this with giving her the element of choice. You know, making the choice to pursue things in a healthy way uh, and with calm deliberation, rather than just oh my my friend's daughter, uh, my friend is dead, so I'll adopt her daughter, which is where I think they're actually going. But it was nice to have that note of choice from alex
2: i thought it was that rather than drinking the whiskey but maybe the cinematographer had another meaning there
0: oh i I agree with you about the watsonian (laughs) choice being whiskey versus (laughs) looking at pictures of kids to adopt uh i was going with the doyleist uh analysis there
2: (laughs) it definitely returned us back to the original use that we had with ruby which was she was showing alex what alex was missing
3: right Right. Oh yeah, Ruby
0: was what sparked that. It feels like so long ago. <laughs>
3: the
2: season.
0: I just remembered one more point I wanted to bring up about the gun issue, which is that since James Olsen, who is a black man, who has more than once had guns pointed at him by law enforcers for no other reason than because he's black, I absolutely understand why he is sensitive on this subject and has formed strong opinions on this subject, I just disagree that the uh, preachiness is helpful.
1: No, I think that's a good point to make. And the other thing that that made me think of is that, you know, the problem with these very special episodes is when they try to solve a problem instead of just referring to it and have it be just part of the landscape they have to deal with, right? And, and, And James is an interesting case because this is a very strong contrast, I think, to I think the last episode when James talked about what it meant to be uh, a black man, right? And, and that's, you know, so that's just a social issue that's part of the landscape that James as a character has to deal with. They didn't try to solve racism in one episode. Whereas here, they try to, you know, come up with some solution, which also, which makes, again, zero sense is for the DEO to just be not armed. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm wondering if, you know, they could consider, like, just not trying to solve these very complicated social issues within the span of one episode of TV. I mean, we don't expect writers to write policy on the side.
0: Right. And, <laughs> you know, despite my complaints about it, I don't think that their treatment of guns in this episode was as dumb as in in the era where Ollie solved guns. Um- <laughs>
1: If anyone would have it, though. (laughs) Right. There is no magical gun control arrow that they could press. I
0: I wonder, has the Speedy Arrow cast stopped making fun of that yet? No, they still bring it up. Not every episode, but fairly
2: regularly. Overall, John had quite a lot of movement in this episode, because he had him coming to terms with his gun use and making a decision to change, and it was him coming to terms with his father likely dying soon. There was a lot of progressions that they wanted to show John experiencing in this episode.
3: Passing on of the memories thing, I found interesting. Also potentially problematic, depending on how many kids Mm -hmm. you have, because which one do you give it to? Also, the weirdness of having all of your parents' memories. I thought about that too, yeah.
2: Depends how far back it goes. It's almost a Dune-like problem. Mm. Herbert liked that one.
1: Wait, but then so later children will have a ton of stuff to remember then. Yeah, that's what
2: happens in the Dune books.
1: Maybe
0: there's some curation. Like if, you know, <laughs>
1: you just add on the memories of, like, the next generation, then, like, later down people will have to remember the memories of, like, hundreds of thousands of people if your family goes back a very long time.
0: You're right. Is Miran also passing on his father's memories and back and back and back to Dijon? I don't know.
3: and. and- how do you function with all of that information suddenly being entered into your brain? I could just imagine that happening and then suddenly, like, you can't
0: look at anything in the world the same way again. One assumes that Martians are, are evolved yeah. to handle that kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Are there any other points that people want to discuss? I think that's pretty much it. Now we just have a few more episodes to look forward to.
0: Right. Just two more, I think. Yeah, and see if... Kara ever actually tells
3: Kalel about Argo. feel like he'd like to know that, but we haven't seen her <laughs> talk to him. Has, has she talked to him this season? At all? I know in previous seasons we've seen her, like, I amming with him. Is he just taking, like, a really long vacation, or is he just too
0: busy actually doing his job?
1: Maybe he's on a social media cleanse and therefore is unreachable. <laughs> you just have to yell really loud. <laughs>
0: Possibly. Right. Somehow, uh, Kara and Monel are going to have to get back to Earth. And then maybe, you know, once they deal with the new evil high priestess being on Earth and all of that, I guess they may go back to Argo at least one more time to deliver whatever Lena synthesizes with the Hara and L to solve Argo's
2: energy crisis. We can look forward to more scenes where they almost have an important conversation and then get interrupted.
0: <laughs> right. Well, right. Uh, so, uh, two episodes to look forward to, and a lot more plot, I think, that they're going to have to get through. So, we'll have more to talk about when that happens. hmm So, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for being patient with us during this uh, longish discussion on this episode. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, please join us on the Facebook uh, Incomparable group or the um, Slack members channel for The Uncomparable, or follow us on SG Supercrust at Twitter. And I'd like to thank our wonderful, patient, excellent audio editor, Seth Heasley. And I'd like to thank all my co-hosts today. Thanks, David.
1: Thank you. Alan. Thanks, this is fun.
0: And Brianna. Glad to be here. Okay, well, we'll be talking again soon, I hope. Thanks.